You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately. And I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to OK Sis Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. We're cultural observers. And of curious minds. Get ready for sisterly banter while we chat about fixations, learnings, and personal growth. We promise it'll be a good time. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood. Hello, sisters. Welcome back to this month. August's installment of Mental Health Chats. You just have me today, Scout, since this is the corner of the internet where just I live without Mads when it comes to OKSIS podcast. But I am so excited for today's episode. I have Emily and Jennifer on. They are the owners of the therapy group as well as the podcast hosts of Shrink Chicks, which I was on. I will leave that episode link in the show notes if you want to hear that conversation as well. And when I was on their podcast, you know, I did a lot a podcast appearances for my book launch of The Emotional Entrepreneur. But when I was on Trink Chicks, I just connected with Jennifer and Emily so significantly. It just fucking clicked. These are my girls. I love their message. They are the therapists I wish I had 10 years ago and the way they approach therapy, how they're revolutionizing the space. And essentially, I feel as if they're just taking therapy and fucking dusting off all the old shit and bringing new life, new energy into it. So 
Having them on OKSIS Podcast for my mental health chats installments was a no-brainer for me. You guys are going to love them if you don't already listen to Shrink Chicks Podcast. They are also on Podcast Nation Network, so we are network sisters. In this episode, we do a pretty deep dive around therapy, which you sisters know is a common theme on OKSIS Podcast. So this one really gives us an in-depth look at one, how these two therapists run a business, two, their new model approach to therapy, and three, how you can be a better patient if you are looking to get into therapy and really, really want to take your healing and emotional health into your own hands. So before I let you all sisters into this episode and hear this conversation, which I really hope Jennifer and Emily are coming to Southern California soon because I need to meet these ladies IRL. I just wanted to let you know that if you have bought my book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, thank you so much. I see all of your DMs, all of your reposts on your stories or all your posts on your stories that I am reposting. It is such a fucking honor to see you with my book. And since this episode is all about therapy and mental health and emotional healing. If you haven't bought my book yet, The Emotional Entrepreneur, I will leave the link in the show notes as well. It is the emotional guidebook to entrepreneurship and has 25 of my most important, main, poignant healing and mindset lessons that yes, help me in business. But even if you're not an entrepreneur, these lessons can really transcend into all areas of your life. So I would be honored if you would get my book, if you would read my book, if you post about it on Instagram, I will see you and repost. Sisters, your support means the world. And thank you for always showing up in spaces where we can talk about mental health openly, where we can talk about our emotional healing and where we don't feel necessarily the shame or the stigma, but rather the encouragement and the motivation to walk through the fire and to really prioritize our lives. So I love you, sisters. I hope you love this episode and I will catch you later. Okay, sisters, I have the two coolest therapists. I think that, you know, I didn't even know therapists like this existed. And you all know, sisters, I've been in the therapy game for like 15 fucking years and have dealt with everything from, you know, 75-year-old cat women who have a bunch of dogs and animals in their room. I've dealt with women telling me to, therapists telling me to just rub my nipples to get me in the mood for sex with my partner. I've had a male therapist who talked about himself for 30 minutes before we got into it because he was a therapist for reality TV shows and he thought that was really cool. So I got to hear about that. And I'm just kidding. There were a lot of amazing therapists sprinkled in. But we all know that in my past experience, it was a time when therapy wasn't what therapy is today. And I believe that you two, Emily and Jennifer from the Therapy Group and Shrink Chicks podcast are the answer. Like it's a fact, the answer to the new age, new model, new generation of therapists. So say hello, ladies, because I love you. Thank you for saying that. And we will say this. There's a lot of shitty fucking therapists out there. It's the reason why we built our practice, truly, because we wanted to build a practice, the therapy group, that was a group of therapists that are very down to earth and people you can actually connect with. And it came out of our own shitty experiences in therapy where the therapists just put up this clinical wall and there was no real ability to connect to them as human beings. And so we know the most important aspect of therapy, the reason why people do the greatest work is the therapeutic relationship. So we are right there with you on that. Okay. For context, how old are you both? I'm 32. I'm 33. Sorry. We have to give context because we're not talking to like 60 year olds here. You know what I mean? Like 
absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely so, yeah. so we're young so we're young we were in grad school about um nine years ago yeah yeah no okay so we started grad school 10 years ago yeah. yes oh yeah so 10 years ago we, when we first went to grad school time uh, is time is confusing you know I'm like it's 2019 still right I still literally think about like pre-pandemic it's very confusing for me we went in we were younger we went there we were two of the younger people in our programs Mm -hmm. I think it was a lot of career changers and I think that one we went to a program specifically we are licensed marriage and family therapists but basically what that means is we don't just work with couples and families what it means is that we think about everyone within their system Everything we see is systems. So how you and your sister relate to each other are also how you related within your family, how you've related within jobs, how the mental health industry has treated you, right? We exist within context. That's how everything in this world is. And so because I think of this model that we chose to go with was incredibly helpful of seeing people as not just one, a diagnosis, not to pathologize them, but to see you fully of who you are of all parts of you. Okay, so I have so many hard-hitting questions. And before I ask them, I just want everyone to know that I am beyond a fan of what you're doing because I think that it's very different and it's it breaks the mold of what I think with therapists. So I have questions as to how this works, right? So let's talk about the fact that I went to see a doctor a couple years ago and he we were talking about vagina stuff and he's my age. And I'm like, what is happening to me? Because doctors are always older than me, very similar to how therapists are always older than me. So how do you feel or what approach do you take to one, just your age, not to be ageist, but one, your age, because I feel like when we think of the traditional therapist, they're 50 to 75 years old going on like their fucking retirement. And I think these beautiful blonde women who you guys are Jewish too, right? Yeah, we talked about that which is crazy. I'm meeting so many blonde Jews these days. It's like blowing my mind. <laughs> this is fake. I mean, Everything's it's very fake. fake. The, the blonde is fake. Got it. So what is your opinion on that? Do you Have you found it difficult? Have you found it to work for you, against you? Yes. <laughs> I think it does both. I would say, especially at the beginning when we first started and we had a ton of imposter syndrome, that was really tough for us. And Something that we've learned over time is that the client that wants an older therapist is going to go to an older therapist, right? Like that there and there are clients who are going to want a therapist who is their age. And it really depends on what you're looking for in therapy. And the fact of the matter is that there are some people who are going to connect with me, some people who are going to connect more with Emily or other therapists. And the thing that we say is most important is that we don't really take that personally because the most important thing, once again, is that you feel comfortable and connected to your therapist. And for some people, they want someone who's older and some people don't. So we've just learned to not take that personally and know that it's not necessarily about who we are as clinicians. But I would say when we first started, that was hard for us. Well, I think we also came from, so we worked somewhere together before we started our private practice and it was all older clinicians. And I'll tell you this, this is one of those jobs that people do stay in a little too long. There are people. <laughs> I got a recommendation for a therapist for someone else. And I was like, oh, I'm looking for someone who's real older. She was 90. <laughs> Listen, 90. And so I know we sound ageist right now, but there is a part of sometimes people stay in any type of field maybe too long. And also, right, like, and often a lot of times those people are not reading up on new literature or learning new things or growing with the times. A lot of times people learn what they learn in grad school and then that's all they take with them. 
And that's a problem because that's not how the fuck our world works. (laughs) None of that makes sense. (laughs) Next question. And we're going to get into how you approach therapy, how you approach your relationships with the people who come to you, because I think it's I mean, like, I want to know if you talk like this in the rooms, all the good stuff. Do you find, and I just thought of this, because you are millennials, you are obviously a very new breed of therapist where you understand the value of a personal brand. You understand being on Instagram. You have your Shrink Chicks podcast, which sisters I was a guest on. I'll link that one in the show notes so you can go listen to. Do you find that boundary setting with your millennial clients is difficult? Because I can imagine that when I have a therapist who's much older, like I just inherently know not to text her. You know what I mean? I just inherently know that on a Thursday night at 10 o'clock, like maybe I shouldn't text her. But maybe if you were my therapist, I, I might text you. Does that happen? And how do you create boundaries around kind of the millennial work culture of being available at all times? I think it's a, first of all, a phenomenal Good question. question. Yeah. Because I think that part of learning to be a therapist is learning how to set boundaries. Emily and I are really good at learning how to do that with people only because we recognize that in order to take care of our clients, we have to set those boundaries outside of the session so that we can function as human beings. And so you learn over time as a therapist how to say that in session without breaking the connection or the relationship to say, hey, listen, texting you know, is only going to be for scheduling. If there's ever an emergency, this is what an emergency looks like. This is how we go about it. You kind of set it pretty early on. But I do think one of the things that's been a little bit challenging for us is with our podcast, we're talking about ourselves a lot. We're talking about very personal details about our lives. And so it's boundaried off in a way because our clients can make the decision to go listen to the podcast. We're not bringing our personal stuff into the session. The session is all about the clients, but they get the choice to go and listen to the podcast and hear about our lives personally, which I think is different because, you know, kind of the old world way of doing therapy is that the therapist is very much a blank slate and you know nothing about them. So I would say that for me personally has been a little challenging for my clients to know more personal details about me and they get the choice to look at that. And sometimes they bring it into session and we have a conversation about mm-hmm. it. When you like you reveal something and then they come in. Yeah. yeah I, and I'll say this. People that are going to violate boundaries are most likely going to violate it no matter what your age is or who you are. Right. So if and I will say this, I'll have clients that like, you know, we live in a world where you like want to send a meme to your therapist. I'm actually fine with that. A me client too. can text me a, a meme. I'm not going to answer it most of the time, usually because I'm tired at night and I'm like putting my kids to bed. But I'm actually totally fine with that. It means that they want to connect with me and they want to share something with me. And I think that that is like an honor and a privilege for people to do that. So like the thing is like, so in your first session, you do something called informed consent. And informed consent is when you talk about the rules, quote unquote, of therapy, right? Hey, if you call me up and tell me you have a bunch of pills in your hand, I have to call 911. Um, if I'm working with someone who's like a child and they tell me they're being abused, I have to report that, right? And so like in this informed consent, one of the things we also add in is, There's going to be times where I don't text you back because I'm also with other clients or with my family or doing something else, running the business. And so what things that I'll do is say, hey, send me an email. And in the subject of that email, you're going to write response needed. 
if it's needed. If not, I'll get that email, print it out, and we'll talk about it in our next session. But just so you know, you have to give me some indicator. Like this is an active and collaborative relationship. We believe that it is not coming from a one-up position that we know more than you. We are here to help you figure out your shit yourself and to collaborate with you and go on that journey together. We're working together that's it. We're very, very active in that belief that this is a collaboration of two people. I think a big part of that too is that the relationship that you build with your client, they're going to take that model of relationships and bring it outside of session. And so if a client were to say, okay, anytime I need something, I can text my therapist and the therapist will respond, start to start to develop a level of dependence, which isn't healthy either. And then you take that model of relationships outside and you feel, okay, I can do this with everyone, right? And then my relationships, you know, are built around me depending on other people. And so part of having healthy relationships in general is that you're able to set boundaries for yourself. Okay, sisters, let's talk about hair shedding. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp? Hi, I've been there. When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. Ugh, thinning hair just isn't the vibe. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. Amen. Everyone's root causes of hair thinning are different, so a one-size-fits-all approach to hair growth just doesn't cut it. Nutrafol has multiple formulas that are tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow through different stages, such as postpartum, like me. After I gave birth, I noticed that around the crown of my head, my hair was shedding. I've been taking Nutrafol for almost three months at this point, and I am not kidding you when my husband, my friends, my family have been commenting on how long, strong, and healthy my hair has been looking lately. I mean, sisters, if you've been watching OK Sister on YouTube, you've seen my hair. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. I mean, 86% is a lot of women. Take their hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code OKSIS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com promo code OKSIS. That's Nutrafol.com promo code OKSIS. Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA-grown, eco-conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. 
Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute, I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie, like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once, the white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. You know, as we talk about boundaries and we have that informed consent, it's also modeling healthy relationships outside of of the room. So good. And it it brings up a lot. I want to talk about, first, I want to tell the anecdote of, you know, I decided to go with a coach for the last two years versus a therapist because, and maybe I suck at boundaries, because there was like, we're on Voxer and I can voice note her during the day and she texts me back. And I felt as if within my emotional, you know, for me personally, I needed that extra attention. But we were always so mindful of like, she doesn't want me to be dependent on that support over time. 
And she's incredible about boundaries over when she responds. It's kind of just like email for her. You know, after six o'clock on a Tuesday, she's not going to respond. Weekends, she's not going to respond, et cetera. And so that level of support for me was so helpful in the beginning. And now she'll check in on me and be like, hey, I haven't heard from you in two weeks on Voxer. Obviously, we have our weekly meeting and it kind of like weaned off, but it's available for me. So for me, that was so integral. But we're both very cognizant of this is really needed in your journey right now. But the point is not for you to voice note me 25 times a day for everything that you do and be dependent on me. So I love that. And she did something specific. She made it safe. She made it safe that you didn't have to, right? She was honest. She was trustworthy. She didn't have intermittent reinforcement. By her having that same consistent boundaries and honoring them, that actually allowed you to do that. That's beautiful work. We fucking love a coach, man. I love a coach. Yeah, yeah. I think the model of therapy that you guys are providing is in line in many ways with kind of some of the good coaching industry kind of vibes, which of course there's bad coaches, there's good coaches, bad therapists, bad good therapists, et cetera. Can we talk about the wall? Because I struggled for many years. Well, the first therapist talked about his reality TV show shit show life, which was crazy. (laughs) That was my first therapist. And so I thought that was normal. But then I started entering therapists and I was like, do you have kids? Like, have you ever had, like, what's your biggest challenge in your life? Or are you from San Diego? Like stuff that I literally, I had zero idea. Are you married? I mean, literally nothing. And it bothered me. It really, really, really bothered me. And I I just didn't know who I was talking to. Am I talking to a human with experience or am I talking to the textbook stuff you learn in school? And can we integrate both? Because I feel like both is where the magic happens. And then I had a therapist who I told the story on on your podcast. She was She was truly one of my favorite therapists because she told me her son had schizophrenia. She told me she deals with a lot of dissociation. She hugged me. She actually used physical comfort at times, which is a very taboo thing, but it was very consensual and like we would go to these, she had like support groups on Monday where we would wrap each other in blankets and everyone would put our hands on it to feel like physical safety, whatever. It's very different stuff, but it was all consensual and like I understood. And she was so there for me in the sense that when I was going through a hard time, she was like, take the office next door. No one's there. Work with me. I'll give you a hug every hour. And so I loved that. I really did. That really worked for me when she would tell me what she would do with her husband when she needed to spice sex up, rubbing of the nipples, etc. And so that made me feel as if she understood me because we had similar, some similar stuff. However, I can see that relationship being way too far for a lot of people. So how do you deal with, you know, they, maybe they listen to your podcast, as you said, etc., What does that relationship look like when you interject yourself into the scenario, et cetera? Where's the balance there? Well, it's funny because I can remember very specifically in grad school during our training, they said, if someone's going to eventually ask your age, right? Like someone's going to be like, well, how old are you? Like, are you even old Me. enough? <laughs> On this podcast, first question. Yeah, right, right. But here's the difference. We were told to respond with, well, what would that mean for you, my age? Why would that be important to you? Like turn it back around on them. Oh God, I would kill you in two seconds. (laughs) I remember being like, yo, if that happened to me in the initial session with a therapist, I'd be like, I'm never going back to this person. That was so fucking uncomfortable. Like I was just trying to know you. Yeah. That's it. Like I was literally just trying to connect and I don't know, 
gauge you in some sense of the universe. And so how insanely bizarre that the first thing was like, actually, let me reject you. Let me take your very reasonable request and let me reject you and make you dismiss you. Yeah. Right. That to me does not work. So you're right. I think that there is a balance. And I think this is going to be the most unsexy response. But communication is what makes that difference. Yeah. The other thing is like there's a difference, especially when you're a woman therapist, right? Like you're going to be wearing an engagement ring or they see you be pregnant. So there's certain times where like you can't hide parts of your life, right? When I was very clearly nine months pregnant, Michael, like I wasn't going to be like, well, you know. What's that mean to you, right? Like, I'm just pregnant, okay? Right? So there's like certain stuff where you like can hide. Like one day you're not wearing a ring and the next day you are. Your clients are going to notice a difference. And so you have a choice, which is to connect with them over that or dismiss them completely and make them feel alone and a bit shameful. There was another time in grad school where as we were learning, I think I said something like, oh, it's so good to see you. And I was told you can't say that. And I was like, why wouldn't I be able to say that? And they were like, because you're making it about you. And I was like, no, I actually feel like I'm happy to see my client. And so we were taught certain things in this field that we really didn't agree with because it was really in conflict with what they were also telling us of like the relationship and building the relationship is the most important thing. And so how do you build a relationship if you're completely leaving yourself out of it? Now, that doesn't mean we're going into session being like, oh, I had a really tough day today. Let me tell you about my day. But if there's things that come up, like if I'm going on vacation and they're like, oh, where are you going? Like, I will say where I'm going, you know, like I'm not going to be like, well, what's it mean to you where I'm going? (laughs) Like, how weird would that be? Okay, but this is just reminding me so much because that is the therapeutic model that I was raised in with my disorder. And there's kind of a parallel. This is really far off. Let me know if this is resonating. There's kind of a parallel in the content creation world where people don't understand how fucking smart the audience is. Like Lauren Everts and Michael say this all the time. The audience is really smart and they know when they're playing you. And just because someone has a mental health problem, like they know when a therapist is playing them, like they know. And so that was the thing for me. I was like, do you think I'm this fucking stupid sometimes? And it's the exact same in content creation. Like we don't give people who come to us for whatever it is credit for how smart they are. And we be- we very much believe like when our clients are coming in, they're the expert of their own life. Like they really do know more than us in terms of like yes. what's right for them. And it's our job to help guide them and help them figure that out. And I think that that's also a different way of thinking about it, that there was this idea in the past that the therapist is coming from this like one up power position. And as we said, we come from a one down position that in the end, you are the expert of your own life. I can give you guidance. I can, you know, use certain models to guide you. But in the end, you are in control of your decisions and you're the expert on that. It's not our job to tell you what to do with your life. Okay, question one. I just want to outline this out loud so I don't forget. I want to talk about some of the experience behind the scenes of what it's like to be a therapist on your end, how you take care of yourself, the emotional, energetic world of that. And then for the sisters, I really want to talk about how we can be better patients to therapists because I think that being a better patient allows our healing to get better. So coming to a therapist for the wrong reasons or having toxic views of what the therapist should be for your own healing versus how much you have to actually do the work, et cetera. But before I get into those two different perspectives, because I think that's very interesting, like what are some things that going into therapy 
be, should you keep an eye on as the patient so that you can make this the best experience for your healing? What models do you follow? Do we do CBT? Is there any, or is it a blend? Do we do some spiritual stuff, energetic? Like what's, what's the, what's the stuff? So we're mainly using humanistic, what's called humanistic models, right? Which is like like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, that's following a very specific thing of like tracking your thoughts, right? What we believe is that people are completely full and they have many different parts of ourselves. And that's coming from internal family system. Did you ever watch the movie? um, Inside Out. Inside Out. Oh my God. I don't understand how perfect, how simplistic and yet packed a motherfucking punch through your heart they did with that movie. I'm going to watch it tonight. Okay, so that's based on internal family systems model, which is what we do. That's when we talk about systems. That's what we're talking about here. Just say you do the inside out theory. Let's do the inside out therapy. That's, that's what we do. All the different parts of yourself and that they are all valid. Every single one of them. And that they're there to protect you. That's really what all of this is about. Your feelings, your emotions, they're not evil. They're wonderful. They're guidance. They're information. And how do we reach all of it with curiosity? So every model that we do, we do like a mixture of like internal family systems model. It's called feminist theory, which is also that like th- th- when you talk about this clinical wall, it's also very patriarchal. That's also coming from Freud of like these, you know, these women are histrionic and like, right? Like that. And it's also gatekeeping of mental health, which is once again, a very patriarchal thing. So what we believe in is that we are all humans, that we are here together. And how do we work together? There's also a theory called narrative theory, which is like the stories we tell ourselves and the stories our families have told to us and how we that then blends in and can creates a lens for how we see everything in the world. And so we're using everything that's meeting people exactly where they're at. Oh my God, this is like everything I believe in that I had to just figure out myself instead. You know what I mean? Like I just through trial and error of what emotionally worked for me and what didn't work for me, this is the exact part. Like I was in my coaching session yesterday and I decided to do a lofty business goal and my first initial reaction was, fuck yeah, let's go. This is the best thing. I'm so excited. And then this part of me was like, oh, am I going to be seen as too masculine, too hustling? Like you know, da 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 like I felt I was making myself wrong for that. So my coach had me name that part of myself who feels judged by society for the way that I work. Her name is now Beatrice. And I talked to her like, hey, you know what I mean? Hey, Beatrice, like I'm here for you, etc. But it's not shaming that part of me, but integrating it and knowing that it's a really beautiful part of me and exists for a reason, which is to save me. Absolutely. I love that. She did such amazing work in that moment. And I think that there is something very important of saying like, yeah, like all this stuff is really very much to protect Mm -hmm. you. When you had that initial reaction, I'm too much. I'm too masculine. I'm going to be judged. What that's saying is, I don't want to be abandoned. I don't want to be neglected. I don't want to be alone in this world, which is truly like we're all connected. That's what we want is to just be seen and validated by others. It's It sounds some, incredibly simple, but something that's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Right. And sometimes so often we, you know, if we reject those parts of ourselves, if we say, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. And I think that that happens so often is that we say I should not feel this way. And sometimes, and I hate to say this, CBT can in, in a way keep us from like acknowledging some of those feelings. So being able to say, okay, this is telling me something, right? Like, how do I integrate this part of me instead of push it down and say, I should not be feeling this way? Because, you know, when you say that to yourself, you're invalidating your feelings. 
Oh my God, that's so true. The idea, I never, I mean, I understand the idea that our thoughts are not real, but our thoughts are telling us a story because of something that we need to listen to. So, wow, never put that together that at times CBT could say, this isn't true, moving on. Instead of, wait, why did I think that? Where is that coming from? And then getting to the root. And that's why we, you know, CBT is helpful in certain ways. That's why we struggle with CBT a little bit because it doesn't hit the deeper pieces. It helps you with the behavior change, right? Like if you want to stop something specific, you know, like they do like CBT for like, you know, compulsive OCD behaviors or something. But I don't believe that those things are bad. I believe that they can be an inconvenience, but I believe society has told us those parts of ourselves are bad or not normal. They're not mainstream enough. And I'll say that like we're licensed marriage and family therapists, but our field of MFTs, we're a newer field. Like my my license in the state of Pennsylvania, my number is under 1,000. This is a newer thing. That's why this model feels insanely different. And so when you're looking at someone who is like a psychologist, there are amazing, wonderful psychologists out there, but some of them are being trained by people that were trained in the 1940s. <laughs> you're explaining everything that that I was feeling. And this is not, I just want to go back and reiterate many times that I've had incredible therapists who were from the older model, et cetera, that really, really fit with me. And I think that's the important part about finding the right therapist. But when I started talking to you, I just didn't know that this new wave of therapy was coming out, that this was the new frontier because this, look at my dog. This, she's like the third, she's always, what's he trying to tell you right now? All parts of him are good. <laughs> what does he need? I always say you're safe in your emotions, Looney. You're safe in what's your that? emotions. <laughs> it's okay, baby. Get it all out. You're safe here. <laughs> Anyways, yes. So this is why I'm just so fascinated and excited that that you two exist on this planet doing this work because I just feel like it's so, so necessary. And all of those things question and you don't have to respond if, if you don't want to. What are your opinions on kind of like the Dr. Nicola Perez of the world and the work that she's doing? Do you find that that? Yeah, look at your faces. Do you or maybe you're looking at my dog? I can't tell. Do you find that stuff empowering or do you find it maybe potentially harmful? So you talk about the holistic psychologist, which is a controversial to talk about. I think for white privileged people, she's amazing. Do I think for people of color that have experienced hardship that deal with systemic racism and oppression, she's helpful? No, I believe she could be dangerous in that sense, right? But she's actually not doing anything that new. She's just taking from Carl Jung's model. Which is like pretty much what all, like therapists just take <laughs> from each other and put another take, name on it. Every model is based off of the same kind of shit. And then people just rebrand it and make a lot more money off of it. So it's phenomenal branding, but it's actually taken from internal family systems theory and all of Carl Jung stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I love, yeah, which is, you know, in all industries, artists take from other artists, da 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 Yes. I think what she does so well is bring it to people in a mainstream, like utilizing Instagram to help people understand basic ideas of, of this kind of stuff, breaking it down really easily. But yes, I just wanted your opinion on that really quickly. Okay. That, I was just going to say, that's the tough thing about Instagram therapists is that everyone is different. And, you know, you present something that, you know, might connect to certain people and really not connect to other people. And I think that, you know, because Instagram is what it is, or like even on our podcast, like we say certain things that might connect to certain people and not connect to others. Yeah. And so I think to also remember that as if you're scrolling through Instagram and you're seeing these messages, like sometimes we'll put up quotes that once again, apply to certain people and other people will comment and be like, oh, what about in this situation? I'm like, yeah, totally. You're right. Like it does not apply in this situation. So, so take what works and leave the rest. Exactly. So if her work works for you, that's amazing. Get everything out of it you can. 
I love free content. I'm obsessed with people putting good information out there. Take it. And if it doesn't work, leave it. I think that's so important that you just said that because I think that in the similar way that not every therapist is right for you, not every piece of Instagram content around healing, uh, psychology, therapy, even spirituality is made to talk to every personal human experience. And so as consumers of content, we should really also be very cognizant of that because I think what happens is we see an Instagram therapist post and we get really riled up because that doesn't apply to our specific situation. And so, yeah, just offering some grace in the fact that these things, not everything's going to work for every single person. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so let's talk a little bit how you protect your energy as a therapist. But I think the most valuable thing for the sisters would be how to show up as good patients, how to make sure that if you are seeing a therapist, if you've chosen a therapist, which sisters, you've been listening to me for three years. If you're not in therapy, I don't know what I'm doing wrong here. <laughs> Let's talk about, because I think that this is really helpful. I think I went into therapy and was very passive with the situation, was like, the therapist is going to fix me. And so I necessarily didn't take super radical responsibility over my healing. So if anyone is either new to therapy or has been in therapy for a while, but maybe isn't hitting their their breakthroughs, et cetera, what are some good ways that we can walk into the therapist's room and be ready to go to work? My first thought around this, and this isn't a direct answer because I'm a therapist, therapists never give direct answers. But my first thought around that is that therapy is such a journey. And I think that with certain clients that the beginning is really just getting comfortable in therapy, especially if you've never been to therapy before. And I think that sometimes that can take a long time, especially you're with someone new and you maybe you have never talked about some of the things that you want to talk about in therapy. And that is really, really hard. That can take you know, months to years to come out. And so part of the process sometimes is really just getting comfortable and finding your footing in therapy. But I wanted to give a caveat, that that kind of caveat to what I'm going to say, where something that's really helpful is when clients come in and they're ready to do the emotional work, right? I think it's really easy and helpful in a lot of ways to just you know, go in and just dump all the stuff on a therapist. And there's no, it's not really collaborative. And sometimes we just go into vent and just let it out. And sometimes that can be really helpful if we're needing that space, but it's not getting down to the deeper root of things. And you're not, you know, kind of figuring out, well, what's going on for me right now? So I think really going in and saying, okay, it's not just about venting and dumping. It's about how to get underneath and find the root cause of this. But once again, the reason why I gave that earlier caveat is that sometimes that takes time to feel comfortable enough doing that and that we know that and we know that therapy is such a journey and that we're, you know, we know that it takes time to get to that place. So even if, you know, it's your first few sessions in therapy and you're like, I'm not really ready to get down to the things that, to get down to my trauma or like talk about some of the things I've never talked about in my entire life. We're okay with that. We know that those things take time. Yeah, you're so right because I don't think that the way I show up now in my healing, I, I couldn't have done it. I needed, I, ne I literally needed 12 years of 
just venting and sitting and being a victim or getting comfortable moving into certain areas. And then it like snapped and I was like, oh, I'm fucking ready. Let's go. And now yes. every session I'm like, let's do it. Go in. It's going to be uncomfortable. I'm here. I'll admit it. Like I am so in the, I almost go really fast now, but it took 12 years of figuring out my therapy journey, going to different therapists, seeing what felt good, venting, talking, letting them talk, whatever, all this stuff to get to a point where where that was what I was ready for. And so I think just being patient with yourself too and knowing that if you have the right therapist, if it's a good fit, they're going to know that this is a journey. Like we've been through this over and over and over again with clients. We're well aware that that's you know, you're not going to tell us. You might, but for the most part, you might not tell us your deepest, darkest secrets, trauma, anything that you've dealt with right off the bat. We know that and we're okay with that. Like it's our job to kind of hold the space for you so that you feel like you can get there. My advice I'm going to say is if it's not working, go see someone else. Totally. (laughs) Right? Like the number one thing, like you're not going to offend anyone. Well, you might, but then that fucking therapist is not doing their own work and that's their shit to deal with, right? Which is that like, don't try to make something that work that doesn't work. For whatever reason, energetically, spiritually, the alignment isn't right. Sometimes it's not a match. And so I would say like, be honest with you about even if you heard like, even if someone's like, oh man, this girl's in all these podcasts and she's successful and look at all these people and then they come in and they're like oh, I don't like it but like she seems like she should be a good fit like look at her name everywhere like don't come in yeah, no. that's okay right like there will be someone else and so I think sometimes we can write a story about someone else this person will fix me because they have all the degrees or because they have the pretty office or because it's my friend told me they fixed them right like one of the best things you can do is listening to yourself and also like I love the idea that there's different modalities sometimes we can't talk to do something right but you can also walk into session and say hey i'm having a lot of trouble bringing up something in session i wrote it out in my journal could you read it here or could i email it to you that's okay if you don't have the comfort and the verbiage to do it sometimes writing works sometimes bringing in a meme like there's so many different ways to try to communicate be open to all of those and sometimes we make suggestions read a book a journal sometimes everyone ignores those and puts it right out the window <laughs> right yeah, out. like the amount of times clients will be like i didn't do my homework yeah. and i'm like it's okay i and, get it and that's fine but what would it be like if you did what would it be like if you actually read the book the person brought up or listened to the podcast or did the journaling or listened to that internal monologue you know what if you actually tried to implement them that we're not just saying random shit to get through 50 minutes but because like we genuinely think this could help you mm question which this segues beautifully I need tough love I never wanted it until like two years ago me and my husband fought all the time when he would try to give it to me because your partner cannot be your therapist we all have learned this you know it's a difficult dynamic when one's trying to help the other but I need tough love in the sense that if I don't do my homework in two sessions, like I need someone to say, what's going on? Like what's not happening here? Like I'm not just going to let you off the hook, et cetera. Obviously, if like the homework isn't working for you or if it's on alignment, but you know what I mean? How do you, what's your opinion on tough love in that sense? Holding your clients accountable? When is it appropriate? When is it not appropriate? Is it appropriate in therapy? How does that work? Well, I would say to dive into like what made it difficult to complete that, like what was hard about, you know, getting through that homework, you kind of process, do some processing around 
what the barriers were to completing it because I think that in and of itself might give you information, right? The information might be as simple as I was too busy this week or it might be as deep as I'm not ready to go there, right? Like I'm not ready to do that work. And even talking about the fact that you're not ready to do the work is doing a little bit of the work to be able to say, here's the barrier there. So I think there's a place for it. And once again, you know, I know I'm a bit of a broken record with this. Everyone is different. There might be some people who are like, I need that tough love. Like I need you to hold me accountable. And maybe they're not saying it, but you learn that over time as you build the relationship with your clients. And it's very different depending on the person. With my clients, I like to think about everything on a spectrum of directive and collaborative, right? So like when I think of a client, I say, okay, this client works best in collaborative, so she'll be more over here. Or this client works more with directive, so it's over here. But everything's on a spectrum, right? At one stage in your healing, you may be at a more collaborative state. In another stage, you may be more of a directive state. And that's okay. How do we sense of where you're at? And also, if I know something about myself, if I know, listen, it's actually like triggering for me when you're super soft, like there's something bad that doesn't feel safe or like when you don't bring it up it makes me feel like you also don't care about this work like there is a big part about like it being an active collaborative process that you have to show up and say here is exactly what I need from you as my therapist and here's what I'll give you as the client that you should get a voice and that's what we talk about it is like we are all on the same level here working together collaboratively so you tell me too what you need from me and I can be honest about what I need from you So good. That collaborative part is something that I think personally that I was missing. And so I just want to reiterate, if anyone's listening to this, you might need years before you get to the point where you're you're really ready for that collaboration part. But I do really want to plant the seed in others' mind that that part is a lot of beautiful things happen once you get to that point in your therapeutic journey with therapy. And so I just, I like to emphasize that that is is available in therapy versus just coming and passively either venting or just learning learning how to even express emotions at one point you get to be collaborative and you get to kind of take more action and I think that's really an exciting part that's really exciting to work towards if that makes sense you two I'm obsessed with you two it's we're obsessed with you we're obsessed Wait, because do you know how many clients I've actually bought a bunch of copies of The Emotional Entrepreneur and I have given it out to clients? It's phenomenal. Oh my God, did I do a good job? You did Amazing. such a good job. We're so proud of you. <laughs> oh my God, I have the therapist stamp of approval. I won't actually use that as like a credible situation, but in my heart, I feel like, can we talk really, really quickly before we wrap up this conversation, which it's a shame you don't live down the street from me. The entrepreneurial part of what you do, because you guys have the therapy group, I'm assuming you are co-owners in the situation. Mm -hmm. Do you have other therapists working in the group? And how do you balance being a therapist and being an entrepreneur at the same time? Because being an entrepreneur is emotional. And then you're like, let me talk to everybody's problems all day long. Like, oh my God, you guys are masochists. So, yes, that's true. We've really had to learn as the business has grown. So, yeah, we, we have, have 20 clinicians. Yeah, over. I think we have over 20 clinicians. We are losing count. Holy so, yeah, shit. we have had. I know as the business has grown, we have really had to learn how to boundary off like our therapist self and then our entrepreneurial self and our podcasting self and and just you know, being our human selves where we're just taking care of ourselves and being there with our families. But we've really had to learn how to boundary things off so that we can get in the mindset. One of the things that I think Emily and I really had to learn is asking for help 
It was something that Hiring help? Hiring help. (laughs) It was something that was really hard for us when we first started building the business is like giving up that control because it's our baby. And, you know, we have recognized that when you find help that's that really is supportive and believes in what you're doing, it's so much easier to give up that control. That's one of the things we had to learn. It's a way in which we also are able to take care of ourselves and take care of our clients and take care of our business is also asking for that help. The hardest thing ever to like relinquish control. It is so much harder than anyone really understands or just managing that many personalities or roles, et cetera, within the ecosystem. I have four full-time people under me at my agency and 20 clinicians. I feel for that significantly. That's that's a very big accomplishment. You two should be very, very, very proud. I am proud of you. I'm honored to know you. I am so grateful that the space has two women like you. If anyone is listening and is like, they need to be my therapists, what city are you in again? So we're in, so our, Jen and I don't take on new clients, but we have amazing clinicians that work just the way we do in Delaware, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania. Uh, what am I missing here? I don't know. It, it's growing. We're- you can go to therapygroup.com. <laughs> And you can see exactly which clinicians are in which states. So we only have like brick and mortar, like in-person locations in Philadelphia and Westchester, Pennsylvania. There is more to come, but virtual in all those other states. And you can go to the therapygroup.com and see all of our amazing, life-changing, the best people you could ever meet. And our clinicians all follow the same model of being down-to-earth therapists that we make sure that the people that we hire are very much connected to what we put out and so as we grow you're welcome to reach out if we don't have clinicians in your state yet we could put you on a wait list until we find these amazing clinicians amazing and do you take insurance no we do not it's private pay but we have an amazing internship program that allows you to see people for a 30 to 50 dollars in the state of pennsylvania yes amazing beautiful and then can you please let everybody know where to follow your podcast on instagram because if they don't live in those regions but they still want to soak up everything that are the two of you there's so many other ways to get involved with you two ladies yes you can just check us out on Shrink Chicks anywhere you'll get your podcast and on social media and everything is linked there. Yay. Okay, sisters. I hope you have a beautiful day. I hope this episode was inspiring, informative, and allowing you to take one step deeper or start one step further in your therapy journey. You can follow me at Scout Sobel and obviously you know where to find Okay Sis Podcast. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together. Love you, sisters.